Today on The Topping Show, Silicon Valley Bank's parent company goes bankrupt, Rain Wilson calls out Hollywood's anti-Christian bias, Dollar Tree drops eggs, Janet Yellen admits the government picks winners and losers via bailouts, Epic Games is fined $245 million, and the U.S. government says the banking system is quote-unquote stable. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, can use some assistance. You can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping into the business part of the podcast, Silicon Valley's bank's former parent company filed for bankruptcy. Now, the little asterisks and all the articles, if you actually read into it, they note that the bankruptcy is separate from the F Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's attempt to make the depositors whole, and SVP's financial assets also include SVP Securities, which is their brokerage firm, as well as SVP Capital, its investments firm. So it's a separate entity. The FDIC has stepped in, taking care of the Silicon Valley Bank, trying to make depositors whole via tax dollars. And that is an interesting story we'll probably cover at a later time where... It's an indirect use of tax dollars collected via bank fees, which is how the FDIC is funded. And it's not going to be a direct tax on you when you submit your tax to the government. But if you use a bank, those fees are passed on to the consumers. So people are paying for this type of bailout. Now, SVP, going on onto that company a little bit deeper, they noted that the CEO actually sold $3.6 million in stock via a trust that he owned a few weeks before the bank's collapse. It'll be interesting to see if that is at all in line legally, if he was allowed to do that. It truly is a suspicious sign that it is a very conveniently well-timed sell of the assets and those stocks right before the bank went belly up. And SVP's project, their financial website also calculated that they have about $3.2 billion in clean energy and sustainability projects, which as of right now with the green technology, those bleed money. They don't make money. So a lot of these startup investment banks and VC or venture capital investment firms are putting a lot of resources into those businesses, which some might say help the overall trend of investing in energy that might be green someday. I say green someday because right now they are not fiscally, and in many cases not for the environment, green. It'll take the next leap in technology to make them happen, which could very well happen. But in terms of fiscally, it's not a wise move for most banks, including Silicon Valley Bank, it turns out. Now, we talked a little bit last week about the ripple effect that the Silicon Valley Bank situation may have. And you're already starting to see a lot of different correlations. Specifically, a new report founded 186 banks might follow the same demise that SVB went through. Now, this is a study by Social Science Network. They found that 186 banks could fail because they can only cover a mere 50% of their depositors. So 50% of the people who had their money there went to get their money. They might be able to cover that, but then everyone else is out of luck. Now, the main concern is that these banks have a significant amount of their assets invested in interest rate sensitive financial instruments, such as government bonds and mortgage-backed securities, both of which decreased dramatically in value as the Federal Reserve dramatically increased the rates over the past year 
which they had to do because they caused the problem of inflation by printing more money than the U.S. had ever had ever in history, which supply and demand, you have a lot of money chasing a very small amount of resources, that's how inflation happens. So the prices of everything went up dramatically. So it's one of those situations where you swallow your own medicine or choose whatever metaphor you want, but they have to increase those rates to fix the problem they themselves solved. Perhaps, ironically enough, or just terrible lapse in judgment. Either way, all these banks are now struggling to see how they're going to stay afloat as those traditional investment that investments that they were making, they're not actually panning out how they used to. And this is really detrimental to small and mid-sized banks because a lot of the consumers on the streets, the trend that Wall Street and a lot of these financial analysts have seen lately, they're actually taking all those dollars and putting it into the largest banks, which they perceive as the most stable. And those traditionally the bigger banks their investment strategies is very different than SVB. For example, you know, Bank of America or Chase, they invest in green, but it's not the core concept behind the company. They're investing in a lot of stable businesses and they have a lot of run rate. So traditionally people see them as a more solid, more trustworthy place to put their money. So all these business-sized banks are really struggling. So specifically these mid-sized banks are asking the FDIC to insure deposits for two years. They noted that they need protection to avoid a wider run on the banks. And they also note specifically, since SVB went belly up, people are moving their money out of the small and mid-sized banks into the larger banks. And a specific organization is the Mid-Sized Bank Coalition of America, MBCA. And they're the ones that are behind this ask of the FDIC. FDIC. Members of them have assets about $100 billion, and they have at least 110 members in that group. And it'll be interesting to see how these small mid-sized banks venture as more and more people are withdrawing their money. Because as noted earlier, if too many people withdraw their money, they, the bank goes up. It just can't handle it just based on the bank structure. It's one of those things I tell people, if you give a bank a dollar, they don't just put it in the safe. The gone are those days. They take that dollar and they do reinvest it, which, you know, via lending, business loans, which is good. But there's a discrepancy because that's a there's a ratio. So if you put in $1, they might be able to loan out 4 to $5. And they don't actually keep that dollar in the bank. There's a minimum that they have to keep, but it's not 100% of the assets in there. Now, going on to the other interesting businesses, Dollar Tree removes egg products from their shelves. The company removes the products due to the drastic spike in egg costs that we've seen in the past year. Egg prices are 55% higher than last year. So if you have chickens, you're in luck because you're not printing money. You're laying money, though. And it might as well be the golden goose from the Willy Wonka back in the day. And it's one of those things where it's a wise move to have staples in your life where you can feed yourself. And if you actually have land, even better. Brilliant opportunity. Just have your own chickens. They make eggs. Win-win. Although, knowing myself, if I did that, also, I'd buy a couple of chickens, have them lay lots of eggs, then try to sell those eggs, make it to another business. But if you just want to feed your family, even better. Now, the average carton of eggs in the U.S. is now $4.21, which is astronomical. And keep in mind, the dollar store, they sell items thanks to inflation. It's no longer the dollar store. It's the dollar twenty-five store. So they sell items for $1.25, $3, $5, $5, thanks to inflation. So they had to remove that from all their shelves, which is going to hurt a lot of low-income folks who shop there as their grocery store because of that low price point. Now, interestingly enough, Family Dollar 
they're going to keep those eggs perhaps because they serve more of a premium clientele in general i'm not sure the logic behind it but they are owned by the same company so dollar tree actually owns both so it'll be interesting to see if family dollar eventually gives into that or they just stick to it and they raise their prices a little bit or they use it as a loss leader where they say they have eggs like a lot of companies they'll actually lose money on staples like milk but they put it at the back of the store so every time you go to a grocery store you have to go all the way to the back to get that cheap milk that they advertise that price but you're walking past you know 20 30 aisles of different food items that are, contain things that are much more profitable for the grocery store and they just bank on you not going in for that one thing and let's be honest most people don't go to a grocery store for one thing they'll buy things they'll walk past items and go oh yeah i probably need that granted most things are wants not needs personally but it works out for the business model now going into the culture probably podcast rain wilson called out hollywood for being an anti-christian bias he's most well known for his role on the office where he's dwight Schrute, and he brilliantly said beats bears and Battlestar galactica or rather jim said that but it is in the spirit of dwight now he recently noted that quote unquote i do think there is an anti-christian bias in hollywood another quote he said as soon as the david character in the last of us started reading from the bible i knew he was going to be a horrific villain and he just said you know could there be a bible reading character could there be one that's not terribly evil and now in the last in this show called the last of us the character is revealed to be a cannibal and he's later shown to attempt to sexually assault a young girl. And this is just a long tradition of just cliches in Hollywood. The religious, especially Christians, they're always shown in the worst light. I mean, name five movies that aren't made by independent media that really highlight the pros of Catholicism or Christianity. They're few and far in between. And... I think he actually did recently backtrack because he realized he needs to work for a living and he makes his money by acting in Hollywood, which is why you never hear them really speak out against this unwritten rule in Hollywood. You just can't say certain things if you want to be employed there, which is disgusting because obviously the more diversity opinion, the more interesting things tend to be. Now, this also reminds me of just every TV show growing up and throughout my life when I actually had time to watch TV before I started my companies. And it's just one of those things where they never make the cool characters like that. One of the movies, or rather the series I used to watch was The Blacklist, which starred James Spader. And the coolest person on the show that was religious was Dembe, and they had him be Muslim, which Hollywood does love to highlight that particular religion. It'd be nice if they highlighted other religions in the same positive light. But, I mean, The Blacklist, he was the one of the most coolest characters on the show and coincidentally not coincidentally actually in that show very few times when catholicism and christianity was shown they were again should be evil perpetrators always the bad guys it's, it just it's one of those cliches where it actually makes hollywood movies boring because you go oh yeah i know exactly how they're going to play that out i know how that character's going to play out so it is refreshing to see someone speak out against that maybe there'll be a i doubt it but It'd be nice if you see a trend of more open-mindedness in Hollywood. Will it happen? Yeah, probably not. But time shall tell as thankfully more and more competition pops up and people are making more and more independent media, which I would say greater quality than Hollywood.
we'll see. Now, going on to the politics, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen actually admitted that the U.S. government picks winners and losers via bailout. And this is something that's been spoken about for years because even during the 2008 recession, certain lending institutions as well as certain venture capital institutions, the ones that made donations to political parties, they coincidentally were bailed out. The ones that were not making those donations or were maybe against certain political figures, they did not get bailouts. So there's always been these rumors or as long as I could remember of, you know, the government gets to pick winners and losers. Now, this came out specifically when she was before the Senate, and Oklahoma Republican Senator James Lankford asked Yellen, this is quote-unquote, he asked, Will the deposits of every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size, be fully insured now? And are they fully insured every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit? Will they get the same treatment that SVBP, Silicon Valley Bank, just got? or Signature Bank just got, quote-unquote. Now, Janet Yellen's answer to him was, a bank only gets the treatment if a majority of the FDIC board, a supermajority of the Fed board, and I, in consultation with the president, determined that the failure, of the, the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create a systematic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. Now, in layman's terms, cut through the politics, this means if the FDIC and the government likes your bank, then your depositors are fully insured. If they don't like you, they will only insure to the minimum required as written in actual code of, of the FDIC, which is $250,000 per person, which is what the sign you see if you go to any bank next time you check your teller, they have that little plaque most everywhere. So they're basically saying, if we like you, we'll bail you out. You will not have to deal with consequences if we like you. Which sends a terrible message to all these other banks where they're basically being told, as long as you have the right connections, as long as you say the right things, as long as you have invest in the right things, maybe things with high ESG scores, the government will in fact bail you out. You will not have to deal with those consequences. Which if you bail out, the a famous man once said, if you bail out the losers, there's no end to the cost because people, humans, always react to incentives. So it's one of those things where it's never been more plain sight how politics and businesses are being intertwined and how you need to be on your toes and make sure you're following all the signs as well as you're doing the right thing as best by your morals. So depending on what you believe in, you may or may not start smooching up to them and investing in certain things that may or may not be profitable. Now, even more ironic or more ridiculous, Janet Yellen says the banking system, quote unquote, is sound. And I use some really big quotation marks if you're not if you're only listening on the podcast and you're not actually watching it. Now, she's saying this in light of the two of the largest banks going belly up in 48 hours of another. So you had Silicon Valley Bank, which is one of the biggest catastrophes in fiscal history since 2008. And within hours, you had Signature Bank over on the East Coast of the United States. They went belly up. And just a little bit on Janet Yellen's background, which perhaps might be enlightening to the statement. When the government printed more money in history back during the COVID lockdowns, Janet Yellen noted, I think there is a small risk in regard to, the, in regard to inflation. 
and I think it's manageable. And she also noted, I don't think, I don't anticipate, quote unquote, I don't anticipate inflation will be a problem, but it's something we are watching very carefully. Now, more ridiculously, months after this, and then inflation went through the roof to a 40-year high record inflation, she said that she just didn't know. Oh, I just I destroyed the economy. Whoops, my bad. I I just didn't know. And of course, she's still gainfully employed by the U.S. government. So no consequences for destroying millions of lives, thousands of business, and whatever little savings Americans had in their savings account is now worth a lot less because of inflation. So it's one of those things. Do you really believe her when she says the banking system is sound? And within the past couple of days, there's been more banks going belly up. And the credit score of the U.S. is getting downgraded. It's To say it's sound, it's one of those things where as a politician, they almost have to say it because otherwise people go crazy. But it's one of those things where, again, one of the reasons I always am skeptical of every politician, left, right, whoever politician, name them. I'm always skeptical when they say something because a lot of times like this, it's, it, it's the complete opposite of what you can see in front of you. So is the banking system sound? Absolutely not. I... I mean, just based on the news cycle, just even reading the headlines, you could say that, no, it's not sound. Something needs to happen. Time will tell how these banks come back or if they're just assets are divided up and they are bought out by their competitors. We shall see what happens. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, Epic Games will have to pay the FTC four, oh, sorry, $245 million. For those who may not know, Epic Games is actually the parent company behind one of the most popular games in history called Fortnite. Now, the FTC specifically claimed that Epic Games tricked players into in-game purchases using quote-unquote dark patterns, as well as miners racking up unauthorized charges on their parents' credit cards while they're playing the game. When they asked, you know, if you could expand upon what does that mean in layman's terms, the FTC claimed that the button layout was very confusing so in set up in such a way that accidental purchases were very rampant and they just kind of happened. I would kind of compare it to the disclaimer when you when you agree to any terms and conditions. Sure, you can read the whole darn thing, but how many people are going to read that? Maybe one or two lawyers? Most people just, at most, maybe people might skim through it, but they usually just click agree and deal the consequences after. Interestingly enough, the payment is a fraction of a much greater agreement that the FTC agreed to in related to the company's procedures around refund systems and shopping procedures used in the Fortnite game. Separately, Epic Games agreed to pay $275 million to settle FTC claims that they violated the Children Online Protection Privacy Protections Act, COPPA, rule. Now, granted, this game is worth billions of dollars, and it's one of those popular games in history. Just merchandising alone, you see all the toys they make, all the apparel. So it's still incredibly profitable, but to have this, when parents are looking at what game consoles, what video game producers, what, who do I trust to let my child play a game, having this type of headline doesn't help that choice for the parents who are responsible enough to actually monitor what their children play and actually choose what games are appropriate for them or more accurately than not, sometimes not appropriately for them. So it's one of those things where that's a big fine, but I would say the bigger dent to them or the bigger impact is going to be to the reputation. Needless to say, that that much of a fine and going that much heat from the FTC, that is going to be the business blunder of the day. 
Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Don't forget if you like today's podcast to go ahead and click the subscribe button, like, comment, it always helps out. And don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.